So today we're going to talk about forgiveness after affairs. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. Hi, George. Hey, Lori. How you doing up there? In pretty well. New York? Pretty well. Can't complain. I'm in Raleigh. This is our first remote recording. We'll see how it goes. All right. So we want to talk about affairs and how people get over them, right? How they forgive this. I love what you did recently. You did that video on ambivalence and how people don't make decisions when they have to about any relational difficulty, but certainly this comes up a lot in affairs where the hurt party kind of says, I don't even know if I want to forgive or if I can forgive or should forgive. And they kind of teeter on the fence and it's difficult to get to healing until they kind of decide, yeah, I will forgive. And that that's not a moment, right? It's a process. But Exactly. Tell me a little bit more about how that ambivalent point makes so much sense for people who are struggling, you know, how they don't go into one direction or the other. Right. I like to remind myself that in not making a decision, even if, if it's not explicit or conscious, we are kind of making a decision. Mm-hmm. And we live in a culture that wants us to be decisive. And so do I want to have sex with my partner again after the affair? If I do mm-hmm. have sex, you know, is that going to mean everything's over with and it's better? Or if I don't have sex, what do I mean? So it's like, both extremes can really lead to some serious costs. Yeah. Right? If I leave the marriage, I break up my family, I have to deal with that devastation. But if I stay, what if it's I can never trust again? So moving in one direction or the other has, you know, can bring so much pain. So not making a decision is a way of avoiding that pain temporarily. Mm-hmm. There's actually hope that, all right, let me give time to this and maybe it'll make it easier for me to head in one direction or the other. So it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense why people get stuck in this place, mm-hmm. you know, and I think when we start out honoring that saying, hey, this ambivalence is actually your way of fighting for the relationship. It's not you just trying to be indecisive. You're trying to give this process some space to unfold. Trust is something that happens. And too often people see trust as a choice. Mm-hmm. And I like to explain to my couples that trust is really the natural byproduct of safety, of interactions going well. It's like math equations that add up two plus two equals four. When you start stringing those together, the couple starts to feel like they're in a very different place. So especially in the beginning, that ambivalence can be a really wise course of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this idea that they're waiting, I think they're hoping for something on the inside that tells them it's safe to go forward. They're maybe hoping for enough remorse or something from their partner. And and I think that we can forgive a lot easier when we really feel like our pain has been felt by our partner. And it's so hard for people who have acted out, the involved partner, to go toward their hurt partner because it's like, I wounded you, you're gaping, bleeding, and I'm supposed to go toward this wound that I caused. It's just... They want to stay away from it. They they have difficulty seeing what they've caused, and so they can't attach. They can't 
provide that support for their friend, their their partner. And so they're staying away, the, the involved partner is staying away, and the hurt partner is bleeding out, saying, you know, I, I need you to come close to me. You're, you're the one that I need to tell about how painful it is that you hurt me. Exactly. This is the biggest... One of the biggest message in a talk like this is it's the avoidance of pain that's the main culprit that gets in the way of rebuilding trust. Mm-hmm. If I had an affair and I'm the guilty party, it makes a lot of sense why I don't want to have any conversations. I want to just say I'm sorry and move on and promise never to do it again because I don't like what it feels like to feel guilty mm-hmm. and I don't like to see your pain. Right. But it's the avoidance of that that actually just create, continues to maintain that mistrust. So yes, it's counterintuitive to want to head towards it. Yet that's the opportunity in the pain. That's where the healing, the research is crystal clear on this. Mm-hmm. It's like when the person who has been betrayed looks in the eyes of the person, the offender, and they mm-hmm. see reflected back their own pain, like the partner is getting it, mm-hmm. you know, then they start to feel that trust again. The main two questions that you want to have answered is, do you think my partner understands me and what this did to me? Mm -hmm. And do do I think my partner would do it again? Mm -hmm. Knowing the answers to those questions are, my partner would never do it again because I see in my partner's eyes, him or her getting my pain, right? That's really how trust starts to grow. Mm -hmm. And so many of the couples that I'm working with the partners, when they say they're sorry, say the offender, I'm sorry. The sorry really is, I don't like how this feels and I want to stop having this conversation. <laughs> right. The sorry isn't really, I want to enter your world and help you with this pain. Yeah, because it's, it's so uncomfortable to see what they did to their partner. And I think as the her partner, that's the separation. That's the attachment breach until I can get back to my best friend, my partner, my lover, who cares so much and so deeply about me, I, I can't feel safe again. I, I talk with people, you know, they, they call in crises and we try to get them in right away and it's like their whole world gets turned upside down. The hurt person, as they discover the affair, they, they can't find their way to the grocery store anymore. I mean, literally they're dissociating and they're, they can't think because our world is often very secure based on the love of our most important people in life, right? The love of our partner says, I am important, my world works. And when suddenly they discover an affair, it's like, okay, do I even exist? Does my world work? You know, their world doesn't, they crumble. And it's a huge breach of security for them. Absolutely, it's devastating how the ripple effect, it's not just the act itself, but it's the mistrust that it creates. Something you take for granted, like the oxygen you breathe, all of a sudden you have to question everything. Like how did I, my partner lose me? Mm -hmm. How were they able to kind of tuck me away somewhere and and kind of do an act Mm -hmm. that's gonna have this ripple effect, that's gonna influence the kids and the family and our future and our past. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it can hit on so many levels. That's why you need a process that allows, I mean, the best case scenario, when the fear comes, when these triggers come for the person hurt, the more that they can kind of ask for help and the partner, the offender, sees the opportunity in these conversations to say, look at how this, this ripple effect has influenced something like going to the grocery store. 
oh my goodness. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the furthest thing on my mind, mm-hmm. right? But if I don't want to talk about the grocery store because it makes me feel bad, then it means you're going to face your fear alone. Right. Or you're looking at the children and you're saying, you're about to tear these kids' world apart. You know, how did you do that? And it's like, uh, I don't want to think about that. And so they stay away from their partner. And then their partner feels, I, I can't change. I can't decide to go forward because I'm not going forward with you. You're over there thinking one thing or another, either justifying it or just wanting it to be over, not examining it. And I think in an affair, processing an affair, both parties have to really examine why this happened. I always tell the hurt party that you're not responsible for the affair, but both of you are responsible for the marriage as it got to this point where it was vulnerable. And and that's not to say that there aren't people who are philanders, right? They're going to cheat no matter what, or they have sexual addiction or, or something. But most of the time, what I'm dealing with is a partnership, and there are flaws and there are problems. And one person thinks the best solution is to have an affair. And that that's that's so difficult to hear. But I think one of the ways that we forgive, on the other hand, is for the betrayed party, the hurt partner, to begin to also see through their partner's eyes, okay, you you have a logic, this was your best solution, even though it was the most painful solution that I can imagine. For you, this was a solution to some of your pain. I'm thinking about a couple that I had, and this man, he was a man of color, he had been raised in the South, and had endured unbelievable racism. I could really feel the difference when I first moved to the South in terms of how people were feeling about each other. And this man had had literally the Ku Klux Klan come and threaten his home as a child. His father had also traumatized the family, had been an alcoholic, beaten his mother, beaten him. You know, it was just a terrible story. And he had never told anybody the story. And so he has, as an adult male, had started acting out sexually kind of as a teenager, and it had escalated, and they were in a very solid partnership, just good, upstanding people in the community. But he had he had done all kinds of things, and she was sort of the type that was saving and scrimping money so that they could recover the couch. You know, she was very frugal and careful about the way she managed their household, and he had spent a lot of money on... Uh, escorts and prostitutes and things like that. And so he told both stories to her in my office, the story of his childhood traumas and the story of his sexual acting out. And it was the most beautiful moment I've ever seen, I think, in my room. When he was done, she looked at him and she was able to say, I know you didn't do this to hurt me. Like There was so much grace and care. And, And she, you know, got really angry and was appropriately really hurt. But it was like her first moment of grace, she was able as a person to put herself in her partner's shoes and see that there was also motives that were beyond the marriage, you know, that his acting out and stuff. Both people kind of have to have eyes that it's not just you're a bad person and you did this to hurt me, you're selfish and you just took advantage of me and my ignorance by doing this, but that has to happen on the the parties who is hurt and the person who is involved, like we've talked about, has to go into the pain. 
Wow, what a powerful story. And you're adding some more layers to this conversation. You know, a lot of times when people make a decision to have an affair, work with hundreds of couples with affairs, most of the time it doesn't start out as sex. There's more going on there. Mm -hmm. So that you kind of open up some space to get curious about that. And when you talk about this African-American man's history, you start to see that there's also contextual issues that, that really influence the choices people make when they're marginalized and they got pressures that it's hard to really express. It, it, they show themselves in different ways. So that, yeah. I, I look forward to having more conversations about that to help people appreciate the many influences. It's not as simple as a choice sometimes. Right. And it's not always just about the relationship. There are other things that happen. And that is one way, I think, to come to help us with forgiveness is we can see that potentially there's cultural issues, there's trauma that our partner suffered as a child. There are like the, <laughs> the classic midlife crises, right? Midlife crises, it's no joke. I mean, people feel a lot of pressure at that stage in life. It's like, do I really want to go forward with this? Is this enough for me? And all kinds of things are happening. They're they're looking at their careers. They're looking at their relationships. There's developmentally in our lives, there are lots of things that are happening that impact the choices that we make. So I'd love to come back and talk some more about withdrawers and pursuers as they struggle to forgive and their difficulties and how we can get there. I know you have an example of an affair that we can talk about and how this actually works out in a live relationship. So we'll come back with that. So Foreplay fam, I want to draw your attention again to Uberlube with the coupon Foreplay. Uberlube is the lubricant that I recommend to all my patients. I give samples when you come to see me. I use it myself. It's a long-lasting performance without that stickiness that comes with other lubes because it's silicone-based. It's scent-free. It's taste-free. It leaves your skin kind of silky and soft, which is great. It only has four ingredients. There's three types of high-grade silicone, and then there's a trace of vitamin E, which is really good for your skin. It doesn't impact your pH, your hormones. It doesn't cause allergic reactions. It's safe. It won't cause infections. It's recommended by thousands of doctors. I love it too, and it's made in the USA, yay. It has discreet and classy packaging, which to me, it seriously looks like a perfume bottle that you can put on the side of your bed. So please try Uberlube with the coupon foreplay. That helps support our podcast. Hey, listen, man, Uberlube is a good thing. If it helps your partner, it helps you. Hey, I wanna let you guys know all about George. He's written and contributed to several books, and I'd especially like to draw your attention to his book, Sacred Stress, a radically different approach to using life's challenges for positive change. His book is about a mission on how you adopt new strategies and turn stresses into a positive force in your life. And who among us doesn't live with a lot of stress these days? We'll keep you posted as to all he's doing. But George and other EFT therapists all around the country and the world hold couples retreats called Hold Me Tight, which is developed by Sue Johnson, and it helps secure your own relationship. If you'd like therapy with George, find him at georgefowler.com. Welcome back. All right, Lori. So let's let's get into an example. Yeah. And most of the most typical affairs that I'm going to see is... A couple, uh, distance is starting to increase. 
The pursuer is getting a little bit more frustrated, needs mm -hmm. not being met. The withdrawers here and messages of criticism, they don't want escalations. They start to disengage that negative feedback. That cycle starts to take over the relationship. Yeah, that is, I will say, for forgiveness, an important pre situation to see and it, it's hard to see because people say well then i'm to blame for this you know i didn't act out but that's not what we're saying we're they're not responsible for the choices their partner made about having an affair but you know affairs often don't happen in a vacuum right so what happened with your couple well when you look at it it's important to highlight what you're saying when the levels of engagement in a relationship really start to go down and operate at a low level for a long period of time the relationship is more at risk for an affair. Okay, say that again, because I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, and people do this, and for many different reasons. I hear people come in and say, oh, you know, let's just put our relationship on hold and really pour our lives into these young kids. You know, it's like, well, I'm sorry, but a relationship is not going to be sustained for the three or four or five years that your children are infants and toddlers without it, attention. It's beautiful that some people can do that and pull that off, right? They can put their needs aside and sacrifice and, and try to do what, what feels like the right thing to do and still not go outside the relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, we want to applaud that, but other people fall short of that. And it's usually not their intent, but when your needs are not being met because their levels of engagement are so low, you start to become a little bit more susceptible to someone at work laughing at you mm -hmm. and kind of wanting to engage. And so that's what happened with Joe and Amy. Okay. Right. Joe was, he didn't expect it. He was a good family guy. And before you know it, he got caught up with a colleague at work. And mm. it started off as just kind of talking about struggles during the day and like an emotional affair. That's what started first. And then it went so down the road. Let's just say for a minute, the, uh, the emotional affair. So he's starting to confide in her and share about his life or share about his struggles, that kind of thing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What he's not doing at home, because he don't want to <laughs> have conflict, he's now turning towards somebody else who seems to understand and seems to listen and seems to get it. Yeah. Right? That's a slippery slope. And thinks he's terrific. and yeah. Right. And he doesn't think it's going to turn into a fair. He just thinks, you know, it's nice that somebody's understanding me and validating my struggle. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, after a couple months of that, they have drinks one night and it turns into a kiss and boom, here we go. Now we, now it's a physical affair. Right. Yeah. right. And that lasted a couple of months when Amy found out, as you started, talked mm -hmm. about earlier, devastated her world. She sacrificed everything to kind of support his career, put her career on hold, raise kids. I mean, and this is what she gets for it. I mean, her world was devastated. Mm -hmm. And this couple had to do that work with Joe accepting responsibility. His work is to try to understand what hit, led him in this direction. And the couple starts to see, yes, the affair is the issue, but there's also the issue of the distance and the low levels of engagement. Mm -hmm. So they did their months of work of mm -hmm. kind of calming down a lot of that reactivity, that ambiguity. Amy starts wanting to try again. Mm -hmm. And so they, they decide, she wanted no part of sex with him. In the beginning. In the beginning. Yeah, because right? it's so vulnerable and so vulnerable. that's where she's hurt. Yeah. Exactly. So they, that, they're building, they're repairing trust that they're getting to this place where they want to have sex. Mm -hmm. 
So they have sex and they come back and I'm, I asked about the details. How is the sex? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Joe's like, yeah, it was great. And Amy's like, yeah, it was good. So there's something, <laughs> right? There's just something. Great and good. There's something that tells you, wait, there, wait, wait, right? wait. The energy, the way they talked about it was a little different. Exactly. It, it, it was a hint. Uh, some little hint in the voice, right? <laughs> so as I try to explore, I will tell me more about good. Well, it's nice that we were able to have sex again and we both had an orgasm. And so I want to go play by play. I really want to know what's Mm -hmm. happening because that's where the emotions are, right? That's where the blocks are. Yeah. I think this is important to talk with our foreplay fam about that in sex therapy, we actually do ask, and in couples therapy, we actually do ask about the actual sexual experience, not because we're voyeuristic, but because at different points, people have different feelings and the body is where we heal people, both emotionally and sexually, like when they're in touch with those feelings. So yeah, I, I ask as well, like, okay, so what happened? Well said. The body keeps score, right? It, mm-hmm. it holds on to the memory of things. So they start off, he kisses her neck. She really likes that. She responds back and rubs his chest. And they're, they're engaged. Our levels of engagement are high. I can see as they're talking about it, there's the lightness there as as the playfulness is in the room. And then he describes going down on her. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, something, I, I ask her, what, what was that like for you? And she goes, oh, it was, uh, you know, it was it was okay. Now the word's changing again. Yeah, it goes right. from, he says great, she says good, now she says it was okay. Right. So some, you're, on, you're on to something here. What's okay about it? Yeah. So she normally loves when he goes down on her. It's usually a place where she can really focus and just let herself go. And as she's doing that, all of a sudden what pops into her head? Mm-hmm. An image says, has he done this with this other lady? Sure, sure. She's Huge okay. turnoff. Yeah, no wonder it was just okay. Probably yeah. She probably turned off completely. Right. So, but now what does she do with that? The brakes have come on inside of her. Her body is going to a more fear response as she thinks about him with another woman, mm-hmm. the worst case scenario. But what is she, if she tells him what's going to happen? Well, it's going to stop the event. It's going right? to stop the event. And then he's not going to be happy because he's already told her one of the things that made him unhappy in the relationship is probably there wasn't enough sex. Exactly. You know, so, <laughs> so him, she can't. She's in that terrible place, that dilemma. Do I just go forward? Oh well, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So what does she do? She just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Right. She keeps going at the cost of turning off her body and yep. just kind of just going through the motions. You said they both had orgasms. Are you sure she had an orgasm after she, I, she turns her body off? Well, <laughs> again, we never even got back to that. Oh, they okay. described it, but as good. Okay. As good. So what's so fascinating is in that pivotal moment. She chooses to hide herself in sacrifice for the relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now that we're going into the details, she's, she's hiding her vulnerability, her pain, her trigger of the memory, and she's probably her body is probably withdrawing as well as her heart. I remind myself all the time: vulnerability with no solution leads to craziness and isolation Mm, yeah right so even though it comes from a good place of trying to protect my partner and serve my partner and to sacrifice it comes at a heavy cost yeah right so that she was willing to share that 
I mean, the beautiful thing of vulnerability, it pulls our partner closer. So mm-hmm. Joe winds up saying, I had no idea that was happening for you. Mm. I feel so sorry that, you know, in the midst of what we're doing, that's beautiful that you have to face those fears. But I don't want you to face those together. Mm-hmm. That, yes, it will be a little you don't, bit of wait, a turn you don't want off. To say that again. You don't want, he says, I don't want you to face those alone. Exactly. And uh-huh. he, then he says, you know, yeah, it would be a little turnoff to know in the middle of that that's what's happening for you. But I'd rather you tell me. And even if it means we stop having sex, at least I could learn to be there for you because that's that's what we're trying to do differently for each other. Mm, I love that. And you got it, right? He he was empathic back. That's That's beautiful. And that's the partner who acts out is empathic to the partner who is hurt. And that's part of what she needs, right? She needs him to come toward her. He had feel. never done anything like that before. Mm. right? He kept his focus solely on her. Mm-hmm. And he wants to fight for her in a way that he didn't know how to do before that. I mean, mm. that's the opportunity, even for the offender, that this process kind of starts to break both people down. Mm-hmm. And in that brokenness, they find it easier to find each other. Fast forward another 10 sessions. Uh-huh. As they continue to build safety, then we start to explore with him his frustration historically about the lack of sex. Yeah. You know, and he always gets angry and he walks away and he becomes really critical. Mm -hmm. So we start to explore that a little bit more. And he winds up letting himself and her into, in that moment, right before he gets angry, he's actually feeling pretty inadequate. Mm. and pretty kind of bad about himself. He's telling so, him things like, she doesn't want me because I'm not good enough or she doesn't love me enough or she's not attracted right, to me. I'm not bad attractive feelings. enough. I'm not yeah. manly enough. I'm not whatever the tape plays in his own head. But he never talks about that. He just expresses the anger. Mm-hmm. So we start exploring that. Like, where do you feel that? And he talks about this, this, this fire, this kind of in his chest where he just felt as a little boy too, right? This inadequacy, this sense of failure that I'm less than, mm-hmm. which he never lets her in. Mm-hmm. And the most, she reaches over to him and she starts to rub his chest, mm-hmm. right? And she starts saying, I had no idea. I just thought you were upset with me all the time. I didn't know you felt so mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. And she starts to actually go to where this is stored and rubs, rubbing his chest. Mm-hmm. And I ask him, what's that like? And he's like, wow, nobody's ever done that for me. He starts mm-hmm. to feel a little bit calmer. The cool thing for me, and this is what love does, is she turns to him and she says, I am so glad I stayed with you. Oh, I love that. And, and you're describing the beautiful opportunity that even in this betrayal and this bad thing that has happened in the relationship, they process it in a way that they find each other. They find each other in a deeper, more intimate, more vulnerable way than they ever did before. And I mean, we always hope, gosh, that pain and betrayal are not necessary for that to happen. But when the couple, I think, contextualizes it this way and they say, yeah, this was this was a bad thing. But on the other side of it, we've been able to hear each other in such a new way. We're, we're more deeply intimate than we ever could have been. I mean, that's true healing. And, and it's something constructive that comes out of more than constructive. It's not just the remnants of a marriage. It's a new marriage that they form together that is based on this intimacy that you're talking about. It's beautiful work, sir. And no couple wants to hear that when it's happening, Mm -mm. that this could lead to growth and transformation. And yet as a couples therapist and a sex therapist, we see this all the time. A couple's not trying to get back to a place 
before the affair. They're mm-hmm. trying to get to a new place. Right. Yeah, this is this is so good. Okay, so we obviously believe that affairs can be healed and that it isn't just reparative, going back to that place that you can go forward and have something more. So thanks for listening to 4Play Radio. Keep it hot. So George, we're going to offer an intensive on May 14th in Raleigh to two couples. We have two two-hour slots and we would love to get a couple to come in who has sexual problems and you'll be able to work with George and I. Right, George? That's right. What a great opportunity to just open up some space to hang out and see if we can make some progress in these areas we're stuck in. You can just reach us on 4Play Radio by email and let us know if you're interested. There is a cost for both George and I, and we are videotaping this for our trainings that only are shown to students. Thanks so much. We look Um, forward to seeing you there. And 4Play family, I want you to know we had our highest download day ever, thanks to you. Our downloads are just increasing by leaps and bounds. We are so grateful for your sharing. Thank you again. Definitely subscribe. That helps our rankings in iTunes, which is important for us. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-4PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor.